What's up, everyone? This is Hannah with the Healthy Charleston Podcast. I am a physical therapist here in Charleston, and I am the new host of this podcast. This podcast is meant to give you the correct health and fitness information, along with spreading awareness of all of the different health and fitness professionals here in Charleston. I love being able to use this podcast as a way to meet all of those around me that are trying to make the world a better place. And my mission as a PT is to educate people and to empower them to take ownership and control of their health. This is season three of the podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Healthy Charleston. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the show. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Healthy Charleston Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Hannah Briel. On today's show, I had the privilege of traveling over to the Citadel, yes, I did get lost, to chat with Coach D, the Assistant Athletic Director, the Director of Strength and Conditioning, and the Military Liaison at the Citadel. Coach D tells us his story about the moment he knew strength and conditioning could be his thing. He explains what being a strength coach really means, and it's actually way more than improving people's squat and 40-yard dash. We talked about the field as it stands today, what he hopes to change in it, and where he's headed next. Coach D views every day as an opportunity to improve someone else's quality of life, and he's created an environment and a career to help others achieve their goals. This was an awesome episode. Coach D, thank you so much for letting me come hang out. Everyone, thanks for tuning in. Enjoy the show. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Healthy Charleston Podcast. Today, I believe I have a local celebrity on the show. Coach D, Where is he? Welcome. Where's, that, where's that guy? And he's sitting over there. When, when, does Joe, he, when does he show up? Coach D, do you have a real name or is it just Coach D? Uh, my name is Donnell. Uh, last name is Boucher, but everybody calls me uh, Coach D. Awesome. That's, that's, my, that's what my best friends call me. Coach D. So, Coach D, you're the assistant athletic director and the head strength coach. Did I get that title right? At the Citadel. Yeah, there's actually more to it, too. Okay. There's also, like, so I wear, I kind of wear three hats here. Um, director of strength conditioning is the obvious one. Director. That's first and foremost. And that's what I was hired to do way back when. Um, 2008, I got the head job, but I've been here since 07. Um, but since that time, um, I'm also our military liaison, which, which is between the athletic department and the commandant's department. I'm the go-between. So I'm the point of contact when schedules get put out, any kind of two-way communication needs to go back and forth between us and them. Um, And I also kind of, I help and I'm a resource to the PT program on the campus. So that's one thing that's obviously unique to a military college is physical fitness is 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 one of the four pillars of the institution. You go to a normal college, Normally, physical fitness doesn't... <laughs> Wasn't a big part of my you, college You don't career. have to pass a PT test to graduate, but yeah. here it's a it's a part of it, and that's any Federal Service Academy or Senior Military College, that's going to be a part of it. Um, and then the third hat that I wear is something that's newer, and that's a, kind of an endeavor with our exercise science department. Um, I'm actually the... I oversee uh, community engagement and facilities for our CPR3 initiative, which stands for um, Center for Performance, Readiness, Resiliency, and Recovery. It's basically... Uh, bottom line is it's a t- tactical strength conditioning program. So we've launched three tactical programs, um, an online undergraduate program, um, and there's two master's level or graduate programs that you can go to and get tactical strength conditioning degrees in. And uh, I'm, I'm kind of 
internal constituents on campus, but also like if we, for instance, two weeks ago we had the SWAT team down here and we put them through a workout and we were, yeah, we were working with them. And, and the, the idea there is to service first responders and paramilitary in the Charleston community and then, you know, above and beyond that, whenever we get the thing um, progressing like we want to. And the end game is, you know, build a massive facility that can service um, our cadets here on campus, the athletic department, and also that paramilitary first responder. How new is that? That's that's really new. That's I think we're in our second year. Okay. Um, that's kind of the brainchild of a, of one of our exercise science professors. His name is Dan Bornstein, Doctor Dan Bornstein. Um, he did some research a couple of years back, got some national uh, recognition with um, looking at PT scores in the military and injury rates, and he actually tied it into when when you when you have an an underfit or or if our fitness is not where it's supposed to be with our military recruits, it actually becomes a matter of national security. So he was able to do a research study and kind of pinpoint, here's where you know we, we have some lag and we've got room for improvement and here's some recommendations and, and guidance forward. So when that all started, that was probably, I, I think, like five years ago that he, um, he started that, that, that project. And then with the recognition that came with it and the support, um, he realized that we had an opportunity here on this campus to where... You know, there's a research arm to it. If, if, if we can get every cadet on this campus under under a, a unified approach to physical fitness and performance training, um, there's a great research opportunity there for mm. outsiders and also our people here on campus. But there's also the opportunity for us to use our strengths and skills and improve the whole experience and the results that we have internally on campus. And then you can take that and you can put it to scale. So um, that's what we've been working on um, when I became officially involved with that, again, two years ago, um, and, and we've tried to grow it with uh, the, the cadets here on campus with their PT program, trying to enhance that. And we work hand-in-hand with, you know, the first thing was we needed a, we wanted to get a strength coach for the core cadets. And we did that. We created a position. We hired that role. And, that, and you know, now that person, her name is Casey Hux now, who does that here on campus. We work really closely throughout the year on a number of different initiatives. Um, and then, uh, yeah, everything everything between now and the end goal, which is again that facility, um, will be will be in the intent of trying to reach that that end game. What do you think was the missing piece in the physical fitness, the PT before versus what you're trying to obtain now? Um, you know, that's a great question, and that's the question that Dan is trying to answer and bring to the table. And I think it's 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 almost like it's like hiding in plain sight. You know, it it, it it's a very difficult task when you look at the numbers that are, that are in the military, right? So like. You know, you you and your in your industry and me and my industry, we have ratios that are recommendations. Like we're, from our, you know, if you look at the CSCS and the NSCA or the or the CSCCA, their recommendations are going to be somewhere between ten and twelve to one. You know, if you got if you got new athletes, you know, it's recommended that no more than ten or twelve to one um, is the ratio that you're supposed to be at. You can go up to fifteen like if you've got coaches versus coach to athlete ratio. Athletes. Yeah. Okay. And then you and then you've got, um, you know, for veteran athletes, it goes up to fifteen. Um, and it, I mean, I know here that there are situations where I might have to run a group of 40 or 50 people. And I can do that, and I can do that safely if I'm being smart with the program and what we're trying to get done that day. The problem with the military is you're getting into the hundreds, thousands, you know, so it's... There's just no way. It's, it's very difficult to scale out and, and, and maximize utility when you're dealing with those kind of numbers. So what the missing piece is, is you've, you've, number one, you've got to enhance and you've got to educate the people that are in those roles... Um, to give them the skill set they need 
to not only write a program, because writing a program is one thing, but handling the logistics of and that kind of ratio and executing is a whole different animal. And then, um, so you got to, so, so enhance um, and educate the skill set of the people that are in those roles. Then you got to expand the numbers. So who are, it, 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 it would be great if we could just wave a magic wand and say, get a bunch of people to do this. We're, we're going to create, you know, a thousand more positions in the military, mm-hmm. right? But that's not reality. Like that, we've got to probably move the needle somehow, some way. So now it's like, all right, what part of the cadre can we bring into these roles and put them through a, a, some sort of a, a crash course, so to speak, an onboarding program to where we give them a training over four or six or eight, whatever it is, weeks, um, to give them um, like almost like a seminar. Like you would go to a weekend, you would learn whatever kind of, you know, you, you'd acquire any kind of credential that's out there that you're pursuing. But um, you got to enhance, you got to expand the forces, and then, you, and then, and then, not to put the cart before the horse, but it's got to be a top-down. People got to be committed at the top. It's got to be something that's important. There's got to be resources behind it, and there's got to be a strategic plan. And that's where Dan has really done most of his work. He's, you know, we got the National Guard that was on campus last week, um, meeting with us, and just trying to look at like how can we help each other, and. When you look at it, it's it's really not that complicated. It might be one of the things we want to do is we want to get, like, for the, for, the, for the South Carolina National Guard that's in our area, you know, within the 20, 30-mile radius of this campus, we just said, look, why don't we just get us all in a room, you guys come in with your questions, and I'll do my best to answer them. Let's just start the conversation. Yeah, yeah, just start the conversation. And it might be something as simple as, um, you know, how do you, how do you divide up when you're dealing with a group of uh, – 100 football players, how do you divide that up and, and execute a speed, strength, conditioning workout effectively? And you just give them your thoughts. And it's like, um, you know, the military has gotten by with the basics for a long, long time. And, and it was, it was they, they get it done. I mean, when you, when you look at the manual and you look at the actual recommendations of what physical training is, it's really not bad. It's, it's really smart. Like, it's, it's covering all the bases. Where the problem shows up is that execution, when you know, you've got a person that's in a new role or they're in a position where they haven't been in a long time and, you know, there's all these different people that they've got to interface with and they've got all their own personal beliefs. It's like, you know, the little bit of freewheeling takes place. The so, program's not really being executed as well as it could right, be. Right, right. And that's what we see here. So this campus, yeah. that's again, we go back to the conversation of this campus had a tremendous opportunity where we're a microcosm of the big military because, you know, there's 2,500, give or take, cadets on this campus all partaking in regimental PT. So... Um, it, it's a microcosm of what the military deals with. It's all about division and how we can assign uh, responsibility in the most effective way and then, and then empower those people that are in those roles to go out and execute what they need to in a safe, effective manner. And if we could do it here, then you could say, all right, well, that model works for that kind of ratio, and now we can just scale it up. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's where that whole, that whole project came from. Have you heard of Effective Fitness? So Effective Fitness is a training program, and it's like online training, and it's for tactical officers. So police officers is really who they target, Um, but like firefighters, military, the group of people that should be very physically fit because of their their jobs and their careers, but they needed a program designed for them. And so actually, like, we work pretty closely within within Made to Move. Dane is part owner. Um, Adam and Matt are the owners of effective fitness and it's just because they saw a gap in the the fitness test you know you need to be able to do maybe some push-ups or run and it was like what do you actually need to be able to do yeah to be a police officer and to be in the military and like you said before like 
they were just getting by. How good do you feel about our military and our police officers and our firefighters like just getting by? No, they need to be training every day, and it's different because they also work night shift. Like, they have all these different schedules, and so executing that, implementing that becomes like a – they can't just go to the gym and, and go to, like, a local CrossFit gym. Right. They need something specific for them. Yeah, well, that's that, – and that's that, – and there are groups out there that specialize in what we're trying to do, and that's one of them. I mean, what you just described is exactly what we're trying to do, and we're looking at it from a standpoint of we've got the ability to help influence and enhance, so why don't we just take the initiative to do it? And whatever that turns into from a um, from an arrangement standpoint, you know, if it's, if it's a revenue stream or if it's a partnership, whatever – uh, or like what we're doing right now with CPD is they're sending police officers now into those tactical programs. So, yeah, awesome. you know, you got one or two police officers going into that program. That's going to you're building it from within. Mm-hmm. And the same thing, effective, effective, effective fitness. fitness. So like that, that group is great because that that demographic, that population needs, you know, specific, accessible training. And um, that's great. And that's they have there's different things across the country that's mm-hmm. out there. But it's it's it, it's almost like we're telling um First responders, paramilitary people, uh, police officers, firefighters—all those groups. Hey, go out and find something that's out there. Where, yeah. where, where we're like, you know, that shouldn't—that shouldn't be the case. Like, this is a job that demands and requires. It should be part physical. of the job. Yeah, they're they're professional athletes. Is the way you is the way you really. Oh, I love that. The way you really yeah. should look at them, and and so with that, we should we should have the infrastructure inherent when you become a police officer. There should be resources available, and it's and it's it's like any new industry. It's it's got its growing pains. It's slowly growing. Um, but it's headed in the right direction, and we're just trying to help, um, help accelerate. Like, what if you had a football player, and you're like, okay, like this, this is our schedule, these are our games, this is the program you need to do, go and do it. And they didn't have a facility for it. They weren't led through it. That's kind of how we're viewing, like, the military and the police yeah. officers. Like, just go do it. Go do what you need to do. Like, no, it should be part of the facility, part of your, your career. I like the concept of them being professional. Yeah, they they certainly are. And there's actually a a really good research study out there, and I don't remember who the authors were, and I mean, we could probably find it and put it in the show notes, but they actually looked at, they did a research study with um, firefighters, and they had, I want to say they had three groups, you know, they had the one group that didn't do anything, they had the second group, which was, they supplied a program and just allowed them to do it, Mm -hmm. and then they had the program, the same exact program, but it was led by a certified coach. Mm -hmm. And it was it was like the results in terms of the performance oh, pre and post test yeah. were drastically. That's obvious. I mean, to you and I, we know that. But to a, a police chief, you know, they might not fully grasp that concept of having a person that's a that's a, a, a professional expert or expert in in the field of strength conditioning, tactical performance, whatever you want to call it, um, and the impact that it might have. And where we've been able to gain some headway on it, and it's all credit to Dan was he has looked at it from a standpoint of uh, public health policy and, and, and finance. So when you have an injury of a recruit going into basic training and that person cannot you know, move on to whatever the next stop on his career is, what's the dollar amount associated with that rehab return, so to speak, return to play? Mm-hmm. Um, and he was, he's been able to pinpoint and actually show this is what's going to cost you. Cost. Yeah, and if we can put a good performance program in place, it will mitigate you know, this percentage of... It's an investment. Of cost, yeah. So Yeah, and so we need studies like that to be able to present and show, hey, look how important this is and look how much it would help your your office, your facility, your group. I would love to hear how you got into this world of strength and conditioning. You know, I'm sure, long story, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
No, but um, yeah, man, we started. We started. Right, we went all the way. <laughs> yeah, take a step back. Cool. What is this strength and conditioning? No, no, it's good. How'd you get into this? You know, I got into it like most people did. Um, when you talk to strength coaches, there were there was some affinity towards lifting and training. And I can tell you the and it's crazy. I was just up at Trident Tech yesterday, and I was speaking to their um, their their they have a personal training program. I've been going up there for a couple of years. They've been sending us interns. And I and I started yesterday. I got that same question, and I, and I can I can draw a line to the very moment that that was the first domino, and it was I was 15 years old. Um, I'm, I'm from Western Massachusetts, so I, I share that with people to to understand. Like we're in the southeast. This is a hotbed for for high school football, mm-hmm. and like ath- like athletics down here is is a whole different ball game than when you go to the northeast and you start talking about high school football. It's very average to below average yeah. I played on a very average to below average football team and I was a very average to below average <laughs> high school athlete but what, what the first domino was was uh, it was you know 15 years old we're going into the sophomore year of football I'm going into my sophomore year of football we're in our weight room which is no bigger than this office that we're sitting what? in yeah it's that, that's and that's the crazy thing too because when you think about down here I mean there's when you go to the upstate of South Carolina there are weight rooms in high school that are twice the size of our weight room here so like the weight room that I had in high school was, it was a closet. Mm-hmm. There was some hand-me-down equipment, you know, third of a set of dumbbells, a rusty broken down barbell and a half a rack. <laughs> and so we're in there and we're messing around um, before practice or, or before a, a, a captain's practice in the summertime. And there's 200 pounds on the bench and, and everybody, I'm in there with juniors, seniors and like, you know, freshmen, sophomores, there's probably like 10, 10 to 12 of us. And everybody's trying to lift 200 pounds. Which nobody could, which is another indication. Nobody could. No, nobody could lift 200 pounds, which is another indication of how how not strong our football (laughs) players were. But, you know, at 15 years old, 200 pounds was a milestone. That was an important Mm -hmm. thing. Nobody could lift it. Everyone's trying to. You kept trying, just like rotating. Everyone's going and like, damn, I can't get it. Obviously, there wasn't any real sense to the training we were doing. We were just trying to lift 200 pounds at that point. And, uh, And I get on the bench, and I was the one person that could do it. 15 years old. But you felt good about yourself. Oh, it was awesome. I mean, like, that was the moment where at 15 years old, I mean, I was a bigger kid. I was 180 pounds, and I was always that kid that was like, wow, he's bigger. Fortunately for me, everybody else kept growing, and I didn't. I, I, I stayed. <laughs> you peaked. I stayed 100, like 185 pounds. Like, I got to, like, 200 when I got to college and played. But I was, I was a bigger kid for, for younger, like, at the start of high school. And I get on the bench, and I, and I get it. I get it for one time. And I never forget getting off and, and seeing all my teammates being impressed. And at, and at that moment, like I probably didn't realize this at the time, but looking back on it, subconsciously, I was like, "This is the thing that I could be good at." Some people have that in mathematics. Some people have that when they sit in front of a piano. Some people have that when they, you know, go to engineer or write computer code. Like they just naturally. That was the thing where it was like, "Wow, this could be my thing." And then lo and behold, when it came to the next six months, 12 months, two years, when I started looking at, we want to train. And, like, my teammates would just gravitate towards mm-hmm. me. What do we do today? Yeah, what are we doing today? And and I was always the guy that I could just – I'm not going to say I was writing sensible, like, great programs back then, but I, I had a, a definite passion for it. It came naturally to me, and I was always, like, really uh, – I was really – I was really driven – to like sit down and say, okay, here's what we're going to do for speed work. Here's what we're going to do in the weight room. And here's what we're going to do for conditioning. And it just came naturally to me. And then um, I always liked training 
for football more than I liked football. Uh, I loved the games. I loved to go out there and compete. Some people really get up for competition. Mm-hmm. Um, I was never really driven by competition in that sense. I was driven with the preparation for competition. For competition and. Uh, uh, when I got to college, I lucked out because I, I, I played football at Worcester State. That's a that's a Division three small state school in the middle of Massachusetts. Could they bench two hundred pounds? Oh yeah, that well, we'll see. So this is another <laughs> that's another piece on the, another stop on the tour was, you know, you think Division three right and like all right, well he didn't even play Division one. He wasn't a scholarship athlete. Well, I went to a Division three school that was like. If, you know, the last chance you is on Netflix right now. Like, <laughs> yeah. this school was where all the people who got recruited by UMass, UNH, UMaine, Boston College, and they couldn't make it in that structured environment, they ended up, like, it was like mm. the, all the people that misfits. failed out or misfits yeah. ended up at Worcester State. So I go to Worcester State, and I'm thinking, like, wow, Division Three. like, I was an all-conference, all-region player in high school. I'm like, I'm going to dominate at mm. Division Three. I get there, and these dudes were huge. Like, I, the, I never forget the first meeting with the team I walk in there I'm like the fir- when they announced the seniors and they all stood up the first thought went through my head is I'm never going to play football here and so um, th- there, there was good players on that team we had a really successful four year career there we never lost I think you know three games was the most we lost in a single season and uh, the, the, the unique time that I went there as a freshman there was three people on the team that were seniors who were in the fitness profession. And you got to remember now, this is 2001. At that point, there wasn't a lot of talk of like, fitness. yeah, we're going to go to college and be a strength coach. Mm-hmm. It, it was just kind of like cloak and dagger, you know, uh, one out of 20 people knew about it and like had any interest in it. And then it was like, there was no direction or plan. Um, of course, Springfield College was right next to where I'm from. And if I could go back in time and I had my head screwed on straight in high school and college, which I didn't, I would have went to Springfield College because they're they're a phenomenal school for strength conditioning, um, athletic medicine, and that type of stuff, and coaching in general. So I ended up going to the school where there was three seniors on the team who were going into the fitness profession, and they all went different routes. So like right now, um, Teddy Perlack had been a strength coach for years and years and years. He was getting a start. Frank Nash is a is a is just a giant in the personal training. Um, realm, you know, he he was over and I remember a couple of years back he went over to, to friggin' China to speak and like at a fitness summit and like he started out again in a closet, you know, personal training people and now he's got facilities in Massachusetts, phenomenal boot cheek gym, uh, Frank Nash training systems is his is his yeah deal that there. definitely rings a bell. I, feel like and, I should probably know more. But. Yeah, and then uh, and then Jeremy Frisch was also um, he's he runs Achieve Fitness which is up in Clinton, Mass, and they're like um, they're not quite they're they're a, they're a, it's an athletic based fitness facility he's got kids in there that that do like movement based um training games and and physical fitness like i mean young kids in there you know doing obstacle courses type things like that and then all the way up to adults he's got the adult fitness stuff going on and so those three guys were on my team and they kind of took me under under their wing and that was when i realized like wow i can make a career doing this and that's that's what got the career started and then you know between then and now it's been a it's a little bit of luck but also, like, you know, dedication, sacrifice, and, and ultimately execution on the opportunities that were in front of me. Where do you feel like the luck came from? You know, I, I'm, I'm the type of person where it's like, I, I, don't, I don't fully believe in luck. Like, I'm not, like, you can't, you shouldn't bank on luck. And you shouldn't, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't try to write the script or the game plan with any focus on luck. Because you don't control that. But if I was to sit here and say that I didn't have a little bit of luck involved with the timing. 
So in other words, in 2007, I, I needed to get into this field. And like anybody, we got to get our education started. So I knew that my next move, you know, at the time I was working at a, at a, at a place called Competitive Athlete Training Zone. It's a private, um, again, athletic-based model, but you're dealing with kids all the way up to adults. It's kind of like a velocity sports mm-hmm. performance. It's one of those competitors. I knew I didn't want to do that for my career, but it was a start and it was something that was paying the bills. I would have taken a job in cornfields of Iowa if a GA opened up and I, I could go and get my master's degree. And um, I, I mean, I would have gone, I would have gone, I would have gone to the edge of the earth, wherever, wherever I could have got my degree paid for and got the experience to get the career started. I was, I was, I was doing it. So to say that there wasn't some, a little bit of stars aligning when I came here in 07 and I got hired as a GA and then the guy that hired me his name is Frank Wintrick he left 10 months after that to take another job he went back to South Florida and worked at USF he got, he got hired at USF so luck of the draw was put me in the in the, in the point in time when I had the opportunity to go for the head job it might not have worked out like that I mean it, it could have been like I worked for a guy who stayed here mm-hmm. like me for 13, 14 years and there was no upward mobility who knows where I would have ended up and so I South say, I, yeah, and, that, and, that, I would, and that's where two of my assistants are right now. Exactly. You know, Brock and Carl, yeah. Um, which is that that's that's par for the course. That's what most strength the coaches. Turnover is traveling. Yeah, you got it. You, you, typical strength coach goes for one to three years, and they do that five six times in their career um, as they're as they're moving through. So um, I say that sliver of luck was there, but I also I think it's important to note where um, it, it wasn't all luck. It was it was a sliver of luck that got me to that point got me to the door, so to speak, I had to have the skill set, the ability, the competency to execute when the opportunity was laid in front of me. And that's something I think, you know, people will talk about, hey, we're lucky or, you know, we were were afforded. And it's like, don't lose sight of the fact that you still got to execute. You know, it's, it's not like anything was given to me. It was presented in front of me, but I had to have the ability to execute and capitalize on that opportunity. And I did that. And then, you know, it got me to this point in time. So that was 2008. So it's been 13 years? Yeah, about, I think I'm going into like 14, Coach, 17. Yeah. Sorry to our listeners. We're no, going to have probably fine. people interrupting us. Every, <laughs> okay. every time we are time. in the gym right now, so I will definitely be putting So you hear about like, you know, I'm a strength coach. I'm a strength coach. I'm a strength coach. What does it mean to be a strength coach? What do you do all day? You just say, hey, you're going to go squat. You're going to go deadlift. Yeah, so that's another question I love. And, and my, my answer to this is probably not going to be um, the typical answer. Um, and I'll kind of loop back into why it's not the typical answer. But, but to me, this, this thing is about, this is about teaching and this is about improving people's lives. And um, I don't know that I started with that end in mind. Um, I think I started the way most people start, which is, again, we just liked working out. We, it came naturally to us. We like to go in there. We like to push ourselves and challenge ourselves physically. I think... A lot of strength coaches make a mistake when they don't take the next step or leap and understanding what the essence is of our job. And our job is to uh, pass on information, experience uh, to younger people that will help them live a better life, help them go achieve their goals, whatever that is for them. And um, I think when we... When we make it be all about the training aspect and the and the physical side, and we and we 
I think there's a line where you approach, and if you don't be careful, the job become the job can really become about you, and the job is not about you. The job is about the people in your charge. The job is about the people you lead, and um, I think that if we spend more time understanding and, and, and embracing that, and and not just like accepting it, but really owning it, like understanding the dynamics at play, understanding the amount of influence that you can have on a younger person. And not only a younger person, I mean, you work with people that are older than you. You might impact and influence a person that's twice your age because you unlocked what was within them and you were the vehicle that helped them uh, reach that point. And that's the most powerful thing that I think that, that, that we come into play with day to day. There's 350 athletes that are going to walk into this facility um, on a given day, given week, and I've got an opportunity every single day to improve their life. And that's where I think, what does a strength coach do? Number one, we're teachers. And number one, we're le- and number two, we're leaders. And I think the subject matter and the X's and O's, yeah, it's performance training. If I was a teacher in algebra, it would be algebra is my X's and O's. Uh, but we are, we are teachers and leaders and team members, um, first and foremost. And that, to me, is what's the most fulfilling part about the job. That's why I come to work every day. That's why I don't work every day. I get up in the morning, and like people say, um, wow, you wake up at 4.30. That's, that's early, and you got to do that most, most days of the week. And I'm like, well, it's not that I have to do it. I get to do that because it's part of a really exciting and, and, and fascinating job that I get to do it. So um, that would be first and foremost. And then, yes, what does a strength coach do? It's, it's, it's fitness performance strength training, conditioning, all the things that are going to help these athletes play their sport longer, faster, and with less injury. And that, that would be probably the way I would summate how, how we do our job. So you mentioning like waking up at 4.30 or whatever actually had someone who was a, a previous player. I was like, hey, one, what's the address because I don't know where I am. And two, do you have any questions that you would ask him? And he, was, he mentioned you waking up at 3 a.m. every day. Like, How do you get motivated for that? And I think you outlining what you feel like, what you actually do, is exactly how I view my job. Like the the pain, the physical activity, the strength, whatever you're trying to get rid of or gain when you walk in the door, it's like, I always say it, it's the gateway drug. Mm. To everything else you're going to get out of this experience, it's so much more than how we're gonna improve your bench press. It's like, how are we gonna improve your life after you walk out of this door forever? You mentioning me seeing people that are that are way older than me or, or younger than me, it's so much more than like, oh, we're going to do some exercises. It's like, how can we use the, the reason that you walked in the door? How can we take that and change your life? And I, I say all the time, it's, it's mostly a joke. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go save lives. And it's, it's not that we're like, you know, getting people like back to life on the table, like zapping them, but like we're adding so much quality to their yeah. life. And the things that happen in this room are so much more than just people like lifting weights. It, it just affects everything. And yeah, it, well, you, the, the, we say in here is, the, is you know one of the one of the best educators that you're going to come into contact with in your life is the barbell. You know, the iron. The iron never lies. And there's there's so many ways that you can you can reverse map. Um, what it takes to be successful as a as a parent, as a uh, family member, husband, wife, staff member, co- wherever you're going to work in whatever field, you can reverse map that to when you showed up as a as a college athlete to train that barbell. It didn't excuse my language. It didn't give a shit about what you did last night. Didn't care about 
what happened in your social life, didn't care about the test you just had. It's just there, and, and, and it's going to teach you where you're at. It's going gonna, it's gonna to hold the mirror up and show you reality. And, it's gonna, and if you can't pick it up, it's a great lesson because it tells you what you need to work on and how you need to improve. And that, like, that experience going through that, whether it's you're coming here as a college athlete or you're, 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 you're buying into a gym and you're working with a trainer – that consistency and that day-to-day of showing up and making that investment in yourself, that can translate anywhere. You know, so I say all the time to my staff that's new here that, that we'll, we'll get new staff members in, if all we did, whether you were here for one year or I'm here for 13 years, if all we did for that kid that showed up and he trained with us for four or five years, if all we did was get his squat and his, and his 40 time improved and his, and his clean improved, we failed that kid. Because it's not rocket science, Right? Pretty much in a college environment, you show up on time and you stick to a program, you're going to get stronger and yeah. better. It's, that's, the, that's the least challenging part of my job is figuring out how can I improve back squat, 40-yard dad. It just, it, that's the easy part. The hard part is managing relationships, group dynamics, leadership, having a person keep their eyes on the finish line when they're faced with the adversity that they deal with day-to-day here, being at a military school, being in, you know, the, under the demands that it takes to play Division One sports. Um, and we're with them. Like, strength coaches want to pound our chest, right? We want to sit there and beat our chest and say, we were with these people more than anybody on this campus. We, we were with them all off season long. We were with them from the moment we recruited them. Uh, before they even got here, we started with the packet we sent them. And we got them on board. And now we trained them for four and five years. And we've been with those people more than their teachers, more than their position coaches. But all you did was get their strength numbers up, their performance numbers up. You you failed that person. Oh, that's a great point. Yeah. Like you're the person that gets to have the most impact because you get the best relationship, best opportunity for a relationship. But all you do is make them run faster. What does that do for the rest of their life? Exactly. You you've got to you've got to equip them with tools that are going to be multi-use tools, not just you know we got in better shape and we got faster, we got stronger. You've got to give them. The resolve, you know, the resolve that you learn from sticking to a program and, and showing up day to day and, and going to work on the days that you didn't feel great. And, and that stuff is the stuff that they take with them. You know, the, the wins, losses, the performances in here, all that stuff fades. It, it, you know, you get a championship ring. I mean, we, we've been a part of championship teams here, and those were cool. But they sit in a box. They're not, they're, not, they're not winning tomorrow's games, you know, so um, – yeah, we're always looking at and we're being honest about what are the things that long-term are going to be accessible to these people once they leave here. You posted something the other day, I think it was on your story, and it was about something about the Citadel, about how like this experience is so different than most college experiences and like the, the stressors that play into that, but also maybe the opposite of that. Maybe there is a little less stress because it's so routine and how this is something that obviously people choose, you know, most Maybe some people don't choose this, but it is still a choice to go to the Citadel, and it's very, you know, regimented. It's very different than, like, my college experience. How do you – tell me about how this experience, why it is so impactful when, like you said, on your post, when you need it the most. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, the, uh, one difference is a lot of people from the outside don't realize this, but there's – there's when you talk about military college, okay, there's, there's two types of military college. Federal service academies – are West Point, Naval Academy, Air Force Academy. Those are every, that's the elite of the elite that the country has to offer. Super hard to get into. Um, nobody pays tuition there. It's all federally funded 
and they've got resources that if they want something, they can get it. it, it it's comparable to, you know, big time, like Alabama football. Like if Alabama oh, wants gross. Uh, You said it. Oh, no. I'm no, sorry. <laughs> Should I say Clemson? I'm an LSU fan. LSU. Okay. So. Well, there you go. We'll use yeah. LSU. They probably have a lot of resources, as too. The, as the premier. <laughs> but whatever LSU wants, they can get. They've got the money. They've got the resources. And the Federal Service Academies kind of have that, too. But, but with that comes every kid that goes to those schools is going into the service for four, five, six years, whatever their contract is, after they graduate. They're going to be an officer. And um, with us, we're a senior military college, and there are, there are I think, six of those across the country. Um, VMI is the most readily comparable version. They're our arch rival. They're the same as us. We're senior military That's colleges. That's why you're rivals, because you're very senior. Yes. Okay. And, and so with us, you can opt into this school, you get the military lifestyle. You get the military training. But we are a state-run public institution. It's not um, like the service academies where every kid that goes here goes into the service after. I think we're about 30%, 35% of our cadets go into the military after college here. So you're opting into this because somewhere along the line, you either you either found out or you, you were told or you discovered yourself and you, you realized structure is going to be good for me and I probably need to I need to go this route to help out and then there's also when you get this degree that degree stands out because if you're looking at a Citadel degree versus you know another college University of South Carolina (laughs) just the 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 employers are looking at that and they're like okay this person had a unique experience they dealt with some things that a normal college student didn't I'm not saying that it's it's it doesn't carry more weight than a University of South Carolina degree it just it stands out and and what you do with that and what you've gained from the place is going to be the determining factor but it stands out so there's that dynamic at play um what why does a person that goes to school here why do they get um why what do they take out of here and what do they have that they can bank on later it really it comes down to to they have to put their ego aside all right so that's the first and foremost is like that's part of the military while joining the military it's a big piece of when you join that military, you lose some of yourself to become a part of the team. And that whole experience in itself is is tremendous because you're going to work for somebody where you've got to lose a little bit of maybe individuality or your ego or whatever to become a part of the team. So at 18 years old, when I think about like me at 18 years old, oh, that would have been a challenge. You know what I mean? Like So, so going into that and, and learning that at that formative stage in your life, I think that serves you 30 years from now. You know, you realize like, all right, I got to put a little bit of myself aside to get a get a part of the team here and help the team move forward. And then the second big piece of it is time management. Oh yeah, time management. Like, um, I, I don't know if there's any better benefit for the cadets that come out of this school that they take into the workplace than that. Um, the fact that, and and this this was this couple before the pandemic hit, we had a an alumni come back and visit. And he's telling me, he goes, man, he had graduated like five years ago. And I'm like, you know, just getting caught up. And he's like, you know what, man? Like, I hated this place when I was here. But looking back now and like going to where he goes, this, this was my day at work, you know, before I left to come out here to visit. I get into work. First of all, I'm the first one there. You know, the day starts at 8, but I get there at about 7.15. I just like to get my everything teed up and lined up and get started. I get there about 7.15. Nobody shows up until 8, 10, 8.15. They're supposed to start at 8, but everybody's dragging in the office at 8, 10, 8, 15. Everybody comes in with two cups of coffee. Everybody comes in and sits at their desk. They don't even start working for two, three hours until they get themselves into gear. Meanwhile, I got there 45 minutes early. I've already done. I'm, I'm done with my work 
right around the time that everybody else is getting into gear, able to like execute. And he's like, I realized that that I owe that to this place because I was on a schedule. I learned the value and time management, and I was in an environment that required me to get myself into gear um, and be proactive and, and operate with a sense of urgency. And uh, so the time management is a big piece of it. And then, then there's then the last piece that I'll touch on. I, mean, I could talk about a lot of things that you know you you acquire through your time here, but there's also this this like shared um, sacrifice. You know, when you're in a group, when you're in a collective, and you're required to collectively commit to and sacrifice for something, you just develop a bond that it's camaraderie, camaraderie from it all. The, the 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 review back and like, man, I, I remember you when we were knobs or freshmen, like what we had to go through, and like that network is. Uh, is, is really strong. So when you graduate from here, you've got that to look forward to, and the bonds that are built there um, are, are, are pretty are pretty long lasting and, and real. We were like you know thinking about this podcast. I was I was wondering, are Citadel cadets less stressed? Like thinking about you know strength and conditioning, part of it, managing volume, right? Especially as a college kid, um, especially this year with what even is off season, and managing stress levels and is this a situation where you have less stress or more stress? Because they have a lot more control. They have a lot more structure versus, like, you know, every football team is going to have a lot of structure. But just football team aside, like the cadets, mm. do you think that they have more stress present or less? So that's, that's another really good question. I, I love talking about this because from an outsider's perspective, um, a misconception that we have is that, you know, hey – you work with Citadel military kids and cadets and like, they must be really disciplined and really motivated. And, and it, that's not the case. Okay. Again, like federal service academies probably have that element, um, you know, widespread. We have it more so than a normal college, but it's not everybody across the board. These kids need to be led. They need to be held accountable. They don't show up at five thirty in the morning, believe it or not, excited to train. We have to create an environment. Yeah, we have to we have to establish an environment that that pulls that out of them. And that's a that's an everyday like conversation. Like we got it. Like we're always like, all right, this is here's what they did yesterday. Here's what they did this week. Um, we've got to look at the military training schedule and, and know what kind of demands are being placed on them. In addition to practice, you know, film meetings, school, and then and then our our deal here in the weight room, um, and we got to be smart with that. But um, when you talk about stress, and, and so what I'll say is that it, it's an extraordinary amount of stress on these kids. Um, but on the one hand, you might hear that, and you might think, well, we got to make the training account for that, and we got to be soft in training, and that's not the case. So the, the reason why I love this question, I love this conversation, is I think society and the world that we live in today just want to make everything softer. They want everything to be easier. They want to continue to lower the bar. They want to make um, the task in front of you be easy. They want to. They want to. They want to. They want to take the weights out of the gym, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So the whole point of the gym is it's supposed to be hard. Yeah, it's a, it, that that it takes what it takes. And if it ain't hard, it ain't challenging, it doesn't push you, it's not going to change you. Mm-hmm. So while at the same time, it's a highly stressful, demanding environment, we can't treat these kids like they're special. Because you know what? When we line up against Furman on Saturday, they're not going to treat them like they're special. They're not going to give a shit about what they did in their military or how many times they put the uniform on. They're going to try to whip our ass. So we can't 
treat them like they're special. So if you walked into a training session here, the only difference you might see between us and a, and like a bigger school or another school, at another school, you might have a lot more control and autonomy over the day-to-day schedule with the kids. So what you see at another school is really typical 90 minutes to two-hour training sessions. You're going to do your, your field work and then go to the weight room, and you might train for 90 minutes to two hours. That's really typical at a normal school. We, our own policy here as my, you know, me being the director of strength conditioning, we very rarely ever go over 60 minutes. we got to get everything done in 60 minutes. And because I, because I know that it's not so much of a stress thing as it is like I know their schedule and I know that they're coming in from class or military obligation and then they're going out to class or a military obligation. I just try to, I try to engineer the, the task that we put out in front of them to, be, to set them up for success. So that's like one day. But we're training hard as hell. We're, we're, we're in the middle of the season. Um, and while we didn't have a great season this spring, uh, and we talked about this off air before we got in, some of the challenges that we faced, we still were healthy enough, in good enough shape, to win two of our last three games against two in-state rivals. That's not supposed to happen. You know, a military college facing the situation that we just faced, we're supposed to fail, and we're supposed to fail abundantly. We had enough left in our tank to win two big games um, out of the last three, and we ended up losing to our arch rival who won the, the conference championship. They were a better team. Um, but there's another example. If VMI can win the conference championship this year, if the Citadel can win 2015, 2016 conference championships, then all this talk about stress and what the human spirit is capable of handling, the, the, the outside world is, is trying to lower the bar. We're not trying to lower the bar. We, wanna, we, wanna, we want you to be strong. We want you to be resilient. We want you to be tough. We want you to be able to handle the demands. We're not praying for a lighter load. We're, we're trying to build ourselves up stronger to carry that load. And uh, so, like, when you talk about that, that's a question that comes in. That's the first question that most interviewers want to ask about us here is, like, they have to do all this other stuff. It's like, that's what they signed up for. That's part of the deal. We don't treat them like they're special, and we don't handle them with white gloves. If we did that, we would never have a chance to compete and succeed. So we got to be smart. we got to be intelligent. But, I, but, if I, but, Hannah, if I came and worked for you guys, I made the move. I still would have to be smart. I'd have to know my clients. I'd have to know their situation. I have to, I have to know our schedule, and I'd have to be smart in that realm. So we got to be smart with training, but every strength coach has to be smart. Yeah. Um, what we don't want to do is, is lower the bar and lower the expectations. I think that's the ultimate insult. To a, to a kid and to a cadet here. You're like, is, oh, you've had a rough day, a big schedule. Yeah, let, me, let me make it easier for you. No, we've got to be smart. We've got to be well-backed. We've got to be evidence-based. And we've got to do best practices. Once we've done that, we've done our homework, you got to have a standard. you got to hold people accountable to it. And that's what we do. And that's why the kids come through here and they look back at their time with us. They, they value the experience in the weight room. And, uh, and, and they get equipped with some things that, that help them later on in life. When as soon as you set the precedent of like, oh, we're going to go soft or our expectations of you are a little bit lower, like they'll, they'll rise to that. Okay, I don't have to do that much. But as soon as you set the expectation, like yeah. they have to rise to the occasion. Yeah, you get the standard you demand. And I do want to say, you know, there is, a, there is a line where if I was coming here and say, we're, we're just going to have it be, uh, uh, and, and you get this with sport coaches, right? Like, like I can have a, we could hire, you know, we don't have women's basketball, but let's say we created a women's basketball team and we hired a coach. And that coach comes in and, she, and that person says, he or she, part of my requirement for making this team is every person on this team has to run five miles at a six-minute pace. 
that is that's not being smart. That that's being unintelligent. That's being you know you're 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 attached to tradition and you're not focused on reality or or the future. And there definitely is a line there. But we're not we're we're, we're looking at we're spending a lot of time on the front end making sure that we're doing things that are comparable to other programs at this level or above us, and that we've put the homework in to make sure that we're setting up for safety, efficiency, feasibility, and ultimately put these people in a position to succeed. And once you do that, you, you've, you've got to hold the line. But you, it's, it's definitely not a green light to just do whatever you want and not put the homework in because then you're going to put people in harm's way. Um, the, these kids, what you, what you look at is, um, like right now in, in the performance realm, sleep and nutrition are, and they've always been you know, big talking points, but now we've got technology that can monitor sleep and nutrition science and, and the amount of people out there that are going the RD route or have a nutrition background. There's, just, there's, there's a lot of resources out there for you to tap into and, and, and get nutrition corrected in your life. What we see here is if you were to do a deep dive study on how much and how high quality sleep is here on this campus and how high quality nutrition is on this campus, you'd, you'd be horrified. You'd look at that study. You'd look at that study, and you'd say, "Oh my God, this is this is terrible." They're not even going to be able to, let alone make improvements. They're not even going to be able to train, practice, or succeed academically. You want to know what we find? Is that for all that theory and research that might go into it, it it can't account for the power of the human spirit. So it's not uncommon for our kids to sleep three, four hours a night, and because they they. You know, if they had an, ex- an inspection that weekend, they've got to clean their room and get their room in order and have their, their, uh, you know, them and their, their, their uniform and all that stuff's got to be up kept a certain way. And so they might be up super late and then they got to do their homework and they might not go to bed until two in the morning. And they're not playing video games. They're, they're actually, it's a part of their requirements here. Then they might have to wake up at 5 a.m., um, 5.30 a.m. if you've got a workout. And so, you know, you look at that and then you look at, okay, how are we improving at an individual level, strength gains, speed gains, fitness gains, body composition gains. Across the board, we, we make improvements. It's not like we're, we're, we're at this constant detriment. Um, so I say all I have to say is that, like, you know, I think we make a mistake when we try to continuously lower the bar and make things easier on people. And that's one of the, the, the fulfilling components of this place and me working here and being a, a strength coach here and seeing the day-to-day what the kids do is that you really are reminded that human beings are a lot tougher and more resilient than uh, you might hear about in a, in a book or read about in a class or, you know, have somebody that's outside of athletics. Oh, um, yeah. We're so to. not fragile. Like, no. We're no. so durable that yeah. all of these things that we should be doing, you see people all the time that are excelling and thriving and not doing these, like, textbook things. And I think capacity is something that's like there, there's no limit but it has to be pushed to be gained you know that we respond to the stress that's placed upon us if you don't place any stress there's no response and so you just get weaker and, and yeah. the bar the lower the bar is the worse we get stress is the is the growth signaler like without stress you don't adapt you don't grow so it's it's the it's the management of stress and the ex, the micro dosing of stress and the the intelligent approach that you put behind it that ultimately gets you to reach the goals that we need to reach. And um, what, that's one of the things that is, is wonderful about this place is that the military side of it, it, it kind of, it doesn't succumb to 
the pressures of the outside world that other people really get they get influenced by quickly and I'm saying like other schools uh, groups people institutions uh, the military side is there's, there's a toughness factor there that they're gonna they're gonna always we're gonna always play to what does it take and what's required and we've got to find a way to get that stuff done we're not gonna sit there and say what does it take well we can't do that so let's lower and let's let's change the definition of what it takes um, and I love I love that yeah yeah I love that component you know that that's a that's a it's an awesome experience you mentioned before, like, you have to, every day, create an environment where they do come in at 530, they might not be motivated, but they have to be. Or they're disciplined, you know, motivation versus discipline. How do you create an environment of promoting mental toughness and promoting, like, running yourself into the wall? And, and like, I think li- people would literally do anything for you. Like, people, it sounds like most of your athletes would, okay, you say I'll do it, you say I should do it, I'll do it. How do you create yeah. that environment and that respect? Um, so that's a that's another you know, I'm probably not going to say what most people would say when you start talking about motivation. Um, I'm not here to motivate people. I'm not. I don't spend any time talking about motivating people. You ask any one of my staff members, interns, people that have worked for me, athletes that have come in here, we, we, co-workers, we don't talk about motivation. Like, I think that's a grave mistake that people make. It's putting the cart before the horse. Motivation is internal. Motivation should come as part of the equation on the right side. It's the outcome. Um, so how, now if you were to ask, take a 100 of our players that have trained under us, if you were to say, is Coach D motivating or was the weight room motivating? They probably would say yes. But the process that we got them to feel motivated, it, it's not what you might expect. If we're sitting here trying to figure out how to motivate people, we have recruited the wrong people. Mm -hmm. Our coaches have brought the wrong people in here. Um, So motivation for me, it is it is an outcome that is the result of, you know, if you're familiar with self determination theory, there's three things that are going to help you be, or that are going to unlock internal motivation, and that's autonomy, relatedness, and um, being a part of something bigger. You know, feeling that you the the sense of purpose. That's that's there's a, there's a higher power involved. You're doing this for another reason than just yourself. Bigger than yourself, yes. Mm-hmm. And so, like, what we do is we try to, you know, autonomy. Okay, a lot of times we're going to put the workout out, and it's going to be here's the exercises, sets, and reps, and that's what you're going to do. Other times we might script out the first two-thirds of the workout, but we might give them options on the bottom third of the workout. And, it, like, what do I care if you're doing, uh, if, you know, we've got to do... I don't know. We're trying to hit the arms, and like, I don't care if you do a hammer curl, bicep preacher curl. It doesn't matter. So many different options. Who cares? Like, let them choose on that. On that. Yeah. Like, yeah. If we're gonna squat and we're gonna say that's important, then we gotta squat. We gotta do it right, and we gotta track that and all that. But for some of the workout, it's it's let them choose. You know. And even though like I can't do that for 350 out of 350 athletes, the way that you meet them where they are is you have more than one program. So maybe you're on the golf team here as a women's golfer. Mm, I'm so good at golf. You have no idea. I'm sure you are. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm sure you are. Um, but that, that program, they're going to know if all I did was take the football program and have them do the football program. They're going to know immediately. They don't have to mm. ask. They're, they're going to look at it and be like, why the hell am I doing power cleans from the floor, back squat, and bench press for a golf as a golf that athlete. sounds fun I'll you do know? that yeah it's cool and we will do those things but you can't do it exactly the way that you did it with football because their sport 
their bodies, like individual, at the individual level, they, they have different needs. Their coach is never going to come to me and say, I want all of our power clean numbers to improve year, semester over semester, you know? So they're going to know that you put the work in to their program and try to create an effective plan. Um, and so that might not be giving them autonomy to choose, but it's showing them that their personal experience matters and their situation matters. And that's, I think, uh, aligned to autonomy. They're, they're not being force-fed something else that doesn't apply to them. Relatedness, like, do we understand, we just talked about this, like, do we understand the schedule here? Do you understand the demands that are, out, that are on them outside of this room? Do you understand what, it, what, it, what it's like to put a uniform on every day and have to clean your freaking room as a part of your college experience? We don't, if we just don't take that into account, we're going to ask them to do things that are, that's being dismissive of their world. And that, that's, how you, that's how you stamp out motivation. If I know that I'm coming to work and my boss, the person in, front, in, in charge of me, understands my world and is taking into account and is setting me up for success, has a good, well-thought-out plan to help me achieve, then I'm going to say, I'm, I'm going to work for that person. You know? And then the, just the whole, you know, the higher, the higher power or something bigger than yourself. I mean, that, that kind of comes naturally with being a part of a team you know, as an athlete. Um, but there are there are ways that we can enhance positive life experiences here. Like we, um, like Wednesday of this week, we just took our cadet managers to paintball. Yeah, it's our, I it's saw our, that. Yeah, people got <laughs> it was beat our, up. Yeah, huh? yeah, yeah, it was our cadet manager appreciation night. You know, we do uh, we do cookouts with the athletes. We have the athletes over our our houses when we can to have a, a meal. Um, we we give them a day off when you know that they need a day off. Like that might only happen once in a blue moon. But that's like that's what makes it so special. Yeah, it makes it special. And like they're like, wow, coach is really looking out. Like he, mm-hmm. they, like we we were in the season. We talked about the season this year. We're playing football in the spring. That's crazy. They just played. We've never done that. Yeah, ever. they played a fall season. And now we're playing a spring season. Mm-hmm. Head coach made a, a genius decision. First of all, Easter weekend we gave him Sunday off. We, we on the schedule it was on there. We were supposed to be in here to work on Sunday. It was lifts, meeting, practice like a normal Sunday. We said, you know what? It's Easter weekend. Let's give him the day off. Come back. We we, we the next week. And this, this was unsettling to me because Sunday's a big work day in the weight room. He gives them the day off again. It was two Sundays in a row. Well, that throws my training plan off. But there's a bigger, there's a bigger picture. It was better to give them the day off. You know? So you're, when you do things like that, you're letting them know that we are part of something bigger than ourselves and that, that it's the team that matters. And when they know that and they're aware of that, that is another piece of unlocking motivation. So um, those three things are things that we talk about on a, on a week-to-week, semester-to-semester uh, basis, and we try to shape the environment so that we're not talking about it, but they feel it, they sense it, and they know it, and they get, they get communicated non-verbally, subconsciously. They, they know that Coach D, the staff up there, they've got our best interest in mind. They're taking care of us. This is part of the deal. It's an inventive, innovative, exciting way to train. Then, then they become motivated, and that's what we see here. You know, like but, you set the standard and then you do all this for them and they're like this is my part and now I have to fulfill it mm-hmm. and all of that we just talked about of you know unlocking motivation it all has to do with re- relationships yeah. is what it sounds like like knowing how to meet them where they're at you have to know the person and you have to know their life and what's involved in it like you could write me the best program in the world, but if it doesn't fit in my life, and also I don't think it's for me, I think that was a great point. I have a coach. Let's say that we all have the same program. You start to look at it, and you're like, he didn't put any work in this for me and for my weaknesses and the things that I work want to work on. Why am I going to bust my ass for someone who didn't bust their ass for me? Right. And I think you don't have to 
create motivation for a lot of different reasons, but because you expect it. You expect a standard. You expect them to come in here and work hard and you're not like, oh, you know, how are you feeling today? Are you feeling up to it? You don't even leave room for that. It's just Coach D expects this. We're going to fulfill. Yeah. And that's that's huge because if the, the athletes know and you know, like, I mean, we're doing something that you feel. Like every minute of a workout is not – it's not words on a wall. It's not thoughts. It's 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 physical, actual. You you feel it. I mean, as a part of your being. So they sense when something is making. It, 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 they sense whether or not it's been intelligently outlined. They sense when um, they're being put at in harm's way. They sense when um, it's not going to help them improve the key performance indicators that matter for their sport. They they just sense it and they know and that. And you, as a as a strength coach, personal trainer, PT, whatever, like a person that's got that role, like you've got to you've got to you've got to be honest with that with that interaction because if you neglect it, um, you'll lose your you'll lose the the people that are that are showing up. Um, and then conversely, if you're if you're if you're taking care of that interaction, you the the the, the people that are in your charge will show up and they will put their best foot forward. And like you know, strength coaches. Like if you look at Twitter and like what's being hired out there, there's this, there's this, there's this mentality that we're like a cheerleader. Like we're like our job is to be in here and be the most boisterous, flambunctious, like flambunctious. That's a new word. Yeah, I know. I just made that <laughs> um, circus act, like character, and that's so wrong. Like we're the we're the subject matter experts that are supposed to help you play your sport longer, faster, and injury and less less injurious um, I don't have to be a cheerleader to do that now I can get excited when you hit a PR because that's exciting to me I'm just happy that you achieved a goal and I'll get fired up and like our staff will be animated but when we talk about we want you to give your best we gotta give it our best prior to and our best is is sensibility in the plan knowing what's going on in the outside world and best practices out there executing in our environment within the confines of our equipment space time human resources um and and once we that's the form of what our best is i think people make this mistake where it's like as a strength coach trainer or what have you in the fitness profession you have to be this like this character and that like that that should only be a response to the people in your charge it shouldn't be you know i'm going to be this character in this presence and that's supposed to somehow uh out be the outcome that we're looking for in their performance that that's that's wrong, and I think that happens a good bit. And I, I just—that's not what we—that's not the way we operate here. Like you don't have to be the the cardio bunny on the Peloton machine leading the class to be an effective strength coach, right? You probably Later wouldn't on. be. Like you can't. You can be the best strength coach, but you being like, "Oh, Hannah, you got it. You got it today." Like being super animated and. and cheerleading like that's not what's going to get that person to to meet x y and z it, it might it might for a day but you can only go to that well so many times like that well's going to dry up it's not going to be there infinite you know um and that's where i think people they make the mistake they think that i can just continue to tap this well that's, that's going to dry up you you know it's like a first impression or, or or going on a date like we might connect on a first impression but I better have something of substance to offer you, and you better have something of substance to offer me, or we're, that relationship's going to fade and fizzle out. Like, and that's where I see a lot of strength coaches making a mistake, trainers making that mistake. You know, they 
they uh, superficial, you know, and then the superficial component of the job. Uh, you can do that. I'm not. I, I'm not one of these people that's like bitter about anybody that's animated and like, you know. I feel like we should all act a certain way. I, I, trust me. If you came to watch us train, uh, we get we get hype in here. Like when it, when the kids do good and they and they reach their goals, we are the most excited people in the room oh, sometimes. Yeah. But that's 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 an outcome from the performance. It's not putting the you know the cart before the horse. The motivation is an outcome. I like that. Yeah. That was great. So you talked about, you know, other strength coaches and, like, the world of strength and conditioning, I feel like it's exponentially changing. Like, I'm wondering, 20 years from now, we're talking all about, like, police officers and military personnel. I wonder in 20 years what the conversation would be. What do you hope to change and improve about the field of strength and conditioning as it stands today? Yeah, um, yeah, that's another great question. I love that I'm question. Full of great questions. You, right? you really are, and, and these are these are conversations that are important to me. Um, I, I'd be totally honest with you. Like, you know, talking about training is like I, like I said earlier, it's the easiest part of the job, and um, it's almost like curse of knowledge. Like I've been doing this so long. Like somebody comes and says, "How do I, how do I improve my back squat?" I, I have, my first intuition is like, "Dude, how do you not know how to improve your?" That's the easiest thing to do. Um, so these conversations are the ones that really, really, um, they really, really, uh, they, they excite me. Um, what do I hope to change? I, I think it's happening now is that um, the cream is rising to the top. Cream always rises to the top, right? And so if you look back to the last 30 years and use that as a snapshot, that's kind of the beginning of this, of this industry, strength coaches. Um, <clears throat> we have a lot of blemishes, that we have to account for. And, and, and the worst thing that can happen is you, you have a player die in off-season training. And that's happened over 20 times. That happens? That's happened over 20 times in the last 30 years because of <clears throat> how, did, how did the profession start? You get a football coach. Everything's driven by football because it's, it's the highest amount of money that's being pulled into colleges. So 30 years ago, it, it, football coaches were making these hires. I need a guy to run the weight room. Well, they weren't hiring them based on education, credentials, and competency. They're hiring them on personal opinions and, and just who their buddies were. That was the meathead in the weight room. That's how the career got started. And this boys club. Yeah. Who's the yeah, strongest? Yeah. 100%. And, and um, we, needed, we needed, like any industry that starts and that's young, is going to have its growing pains. We've been through that. But now we're getting smarter. We're relying, like, why are we sitting here? You're a, you're a physical therapist, trainer. You're not a strength coach. Where do we meet? <clears throat> we met because we had the MUSC program over here, and I had their physical therapy students in here, and I've learned from physical therapy a lot in the last 10, 15 years. We're getting smarter. We're realizing that we need to be a team. Mm-hmm. Athletic medicine, physical therapy, all of the alternative field fitness, of fitness. Field of fitness. We need, to, we need to stop acting like this cloak and dagger egocentric mm-hmm. you know just just come see me don't go do that yeah, right? we, like we, we're a team we need to be and what you realize is like prehab rehab is good training it's all a part of the puzzle so what do I hope to change is number one we need to be smarter and stop putting people um, in situations where they potentially have their life threatened so that's like let's get smarter let's be let's 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 be credentialed. Let's have the administration, the administration at schools, have a better hiring process. But in order to do that, we gotta we gotta present our value, and we've gotta we've gotta do the job that we're supposed to do. 
and then we got to advocate for it. Um, so that's like administratively, like that's a whole different conversation. But what do I hope to change about the profession is that we start understanding and appreciating what we're here to really do. And it's kind of what we started talking about, which is improving and empowering people for long term for when they leave here, when they go on to other places. Yes, we've got to achieve performance goals. We've got to get them better. We've got to get the KPIs better. We've got to give our chances of winning improved. And that's really within our purview. We can, we can do that if we do our jobs. But we've got to be honest about the impact we can have uh, after the contact hours that we have with these people. Um, and um, that, that would be the main thing. It's just like the, the industry as a whole, I want to see us do our jobs, be better people, and build better relationships and solve more complex problems that, um, that, that, that those problems go on outside of the weight room. They're not, they're not things that can be solved with lifting weights. We've, we've got to be cognizant of the things that surround us in, in this game administratively um, and on our, on our campuses. Um, and and that, that's where I'd like to see the profession go. Like you said, you know how to get someone's back squat higher. Like that, that has been figured out. Like that's not the hard part anymore. You come to me and you're like, how do I run better? Like, okay, easy. That's not the part of your job that, like, excites you because it's already just, it's been solved. And if you execute it, if you're consistent, there aren't many people that don't see the outcome that they want to see. And if they don't, it's probably because they, they didn't do blank, right? You didn't do the, the instructions. And so, again, like, I, all about relationships. When you mentioned, like, people dying, that is so shocking to me, but not shocking in the sense of like, what could we possibly be doing out here that's causing us to die? Yeah. And then the other thing that we keep talking about is how like working out, physical fitness and training and lifting weights, it is so much more than just the weight on the bar. Like it has made me like a completely different person, right? It's just the way that you approach your life, the way that you approach hard situations, like building Mental toughness often comes from physical toughness yeah. of what happens when you're losing? What, what happens when the game is not over, but you are losing? What happens when the workout is almost over and you're in last, but are you going to give up? And it, that reflects on the rest of your life. And like when we're looking at how we want to look at our lives when we're 60, like, yeah, I'll, I'm going to be happy about this back squat and like this bench press and like that. But what did that really get for me? It's like, I'm not an elite athlete, you know? Like, the Citadel, like, you have an amazing team, you have an amazing football team, blah, 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 blah. But, like, what matters is how it affects them in their life 30, 40, 50 years from now. And also, like, how they can use all this to create a legacy. Because the impact that you have is, yeah, 350 cadets or, or whatever, they're going to be able to take these experiences and demonstrate to all of these people. So essentially, I think we're just like building better humans. Yeah, and that's that's a tremendous opportunity that we're afforded. It's it's not every career out there has that has that opportunity laid out in front of the person that's doing that job. Um, and and that's the essential factor with with, with being in this industry. Uh, performance training, health, fitness, that type of thing is you've just got, there, there's a tremendous component to interpersonal relationships mm -hmm. that um, all this thing is predicated on that not every, not every career or every job um, has that. 
What is that? It's uh, <laughs> how you resuscitate someone, I think, right? What is that? I don't know. I'll have to ask. Just another day at the office. Yeah, right? <laughs> so, <clears throat> everyone wants to know what is your bench press now? Oh, God. <laughs> Oh man, I, you know that's another thing. Like when you talk about the job and how things have changed, my training now is super mm-hmm. casual. It's like when I get to, and I'll be totally honest with you. I'm 38. Um, I know there's professional athletes that are 40 years old. I I, I know this is gonna sound crazy. <laughs> how old's like, Brady? Yeah, exactly. By now, right? um, but listen, man, I'm not like my job and responsibilities here pulls me in a lot of different directions. Mm-hmm. To where if I was. If I was dedicating two hours out of my day or even an hour out of my day, five days a week to train, something else is taking the back burner to that, whether that's my wife, whether that's um, my own, like, like my own health, um, the responsibilities I have to do in those three areas that I work. So, I mean, shoot, I haven't tracked maxes in a long time. I'm sure right now, maybe on a good day. Should we go do it? I mean, if you want to. I was supposed to bench today, so I'm, pro- I'm probably I'm probably around like the 285. You know, the most I ever got was 335. Um, I'm certainly not hitting that right now. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, my my like my workouts now are like get out there, get a sweat. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's more about the um, the removal, like getting out of the office, yeah. the mental clarity component. Like, I, I can't believe I'm about to say this, but I love going on a run. Because I can throw a podcast in, and nobody, like we've been sitting here, and it's it's a Friday, right? And and we've had like you know three maybe interrupt like small interruptions. A normal day in here is like if I try to get any work done between the hours of seven a.m. and four p.m., it ain't happening. So I have to do my work before outside of that time frame to actually or wait for the you know the, the semester to end. Mm-hmm. Like right now, we're going to be planning for the summer. We're going to spend we're going to put a lot of work into that. Like and I'll have the ability to do that because the kids are gone. But, like, during the fall and the spring, it's interruption after interruption. So, like, for me, like, physical fitness and training now is more about, like, the mental side of just getting out of the office, getting out of the... Switching your brain, the reset. Yes. Yeah, like, the benefits that you get from that. 100%. And, like, going out and spending time just with myself. You know, it's like, it's like it becomes, like, the sanctuary. Um, whereas, like, I just... I, you're in it all the time. It's, it's hard to be out there and keep doing that. And, I mean, you, some people that's... And I do want to say this. Like, for some people... They have the ability to do that, and, and 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 they would be fine eating lunch on the floor in between their sets of whatever the workout is. Um, that's not to me. Like, to me, my end goal is to – I want to be the AD here. I want to be the athletic director. So I've got to start um, exposing myself and inserting myself into conversations, discussions, meetings, responsibilities here on this campus that are going to help me get to that point. And let me let me let me spare the suspense of all the listeners and like anybody else. Like nobody gives a shit what I back squat when I'm going to interview what? for the AD. They don't care. They don't no. care. They're not going to be impressed. They're not going to be impressed that I once at one point in my life was able to back squat. You know, four fifty. It just doesn't. It's not the conversation. Now, if I say that I want to, I wanted to open up my own gym and I wanted to, you know, make my living. Uh, training people and, and that type, that's a whole different conversation right but this game here what I want to do become an athletic director there's a there's a map and a process that I've got to that I've got to be honest with and I got to make sure that I'm investing in those areas and so it's just a different deal that's what people don't understand like coming into this like it's that's one of the dark sides of this job is that nobody very rarely do you see a strength coach lose their job be fired be 
terminated or, or not be promoted, not, not get raises, because they couldn't get people stronger. That's not what holds them back. What holds them back is the administrative leadership business components that people don't realize are, are the foundation of an athletic department in college. There's a business side to this thing, the finances, the, the, the external operations, the ticket sales, the partnerships, the fundraising. I mean, all those things, if I don't be honest about the need to be competent in those areas, then I've got to be okay with all I ever did was I ran my weight room. And I'm gonna, you're going to reach a point when salary increases are not going to be – you're not going to be able to get raises. Because you're gonna you're gonna tap out the value and importance that you're bringing to the enterprise. If all you can do is get people stronger, mm-hmm. you're gonna reach a point. So you've got to find ways where can I? How can I? Where's the upward mobility opportunities that I have? And so that's that's where I'm at now. Being in this, being here for so long and knowing what my end goal is. Um, my my younger staff would have much more impressive numbers. <laughs> they would they well, would they be were looking over there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and like when I get out there I'll jump in with one of them. Yeah. I'll I'll be out at practice and I'll go over and I'll do push ups, pull ups, dips because I'm out there and it's just a time killer. But if I try to sit here and like put on my schedule, uh, oh I'm gonna block off ninety minutes in the day, that ain't happening. It's just not, not reality. Minutes. I don't I it's, it's, well, it's not your I, priority right now either. Like you have other things that you're working on and I I think a lot of people think, you know, like you said, strength coach or even like gym owner, crossfit coach, PT Oh, you must work out all the time, right? Yeah. And, like, you wouldn't want to spend your free 90 minutes with the same view. Like, you want to yeah. go for a run. You need to you need to switch it. Yeah. At the end of the day, you're like, all right, I'm not going to stay and, and bench press for what? I'm going to go and okay. give myself a break so that I can come back in here and give it my all because that's what you care about. Yeah. And when you're younger, like, when I got started, I got hired, I was 25, you know, waking up at 4.30 and working until 6.30 p.m., mm. there's no problem. There's no problem. Don't you now, do that now? Pretty much, but yeah, like, like, we, we account for it, right? Like, so I can account for it. And that, well, how do you account for it? Like, people talk about a lot of times, you know, take care of your people, take care of your staff. Well, we say that, but we actually do that. So, like, here's, here's, a, here's a, a real-world example. Most strength coaches, strength programs, it's like a badge of perseverance or a badge of honor. To say that I got to work at 5 a.m. and I left at 7 p.m. It's like, I'm... I'm I, that, I must be good now. Yeah. And I used to think like that. Like, we had to be in here all day long. Well, you know what? No, we don't have to be in here. you got to be in here around your teams. you got to make sure your, your work is done. And you got to make sure you're prepared. But if I don't have a team today uh, until 3 p.m., why the hell am I coming in here at 5 a.m.? I've got a staff. I can I can put people on shifts, and we can give people more time to themselves, where we're not wasting time, and we're not monopolizing their time. Um, so we do that a great bit. Like I, there's day, there's times in here where I mean I came to work today at eleven o'clock, you know, because this was my first mm-hmm. thing of the day. But I didn't have an early morning team. We had two people in here open up. We've got the facility opened up. They were here. That's why you saw Joe just leave yep. and and Mitch left uh, because they're off for the day. You know, and that that is super important where um, right now, I I don't think I could do the volume of work, like mental load, cognitive load that I was doing when I was 25 and 26. And maybe that's getting old. Maybe that's getting soft, whatever you want to call it. But you know, you want to know why, Hannah? I don't want to. I don't want to be doing this job when I'm 60 years old and not able to retire. Who the hell wants to do that? Um, 
and I think that's why you have a lot of burnout. You have a lot of people that get uh, uh, like when you the first conference I ever went to as a strength coach was probably 2009. I went to the national conference, right? And it's the CSCCA. There's thousands of people there, and they, they have this round table. It's like a breakout session where you go and you intermingle with other staffs, and we just talking points. We put them up there. The three things. So, mind you, I'm like I'm like starstruck. I'm seeing all these celebrity. You talk about celebrity strength coaches. I mean, that was my first like, whoa, that's the guy from 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 LSU, Tommy oh, Moffat. You know, there you go. You know, but Good you job. see those people there, and you're like, wow. And uh, we go into this roundtable, and it's being led by the staff. And what they say is, as a strength coach, you have a high probability of never being able to retire with retirement savings. You have a high probability of ending your marriage and divorce. Oof. You have a high probability of working a job that has no credibility in the eyes of the people on your campus outside of the athletic department. That's like the three things. Quality thing. of life right there. Yeah. So I sat there at 26, 27, whatever I was, and I was like, I ain't going out like that. Everybody else is like, and what, and what I can tell you in the rearview mirror, like looking back, a lot of people hear that and they just accept it. They're like, that's what it is to be a strength coach. We're just, that's, that's what I we're saying. I love iron that much. Yeah. Do it. Like, Forget that. I sat there and was like, I'm not going out like that, you know? So you know, I started reading Dave Ramsey, like, when I was 25, 26, like, early on, and just getting a hold of my finances, started understanding retirement, how to do that, um, made sure that I prioritized, you know, my, my wife and I, like, we make sure, like, I don't bring work home. I don't, if I have the opportunity to get out of this damn office, I do that. Um, whereas when I was younger, it, it wasn't a priority. It was like the job was the job. Now it's like, no, 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 no. Like what's important and what really matters. And I need to make sure that those things are, are being mapped to and, and I'm executing those plans. And then credibility on the campus, like who the, like, <laughs> I think my job's pretty important, right? Like what we do here and, and what we, we talked about, why is the job important? Why is the fitness industry important? Um, I'm not okay with an outsider perceiving me one way or having some perception of me that's not true to what I do. So what did that require? Well, I can I can complain about that, I can gripe and whine about that, or I can do work that's going to help amend that that relationship. So that's where I, you know, we're partnered with the exercise science department, I'm partnered with the commandant's department. We try to go on faculty staff. We were just on a, a faculty staff Zoom. I was the only um, one of the only coaches on this thing with teachers, professors, provosts, like just trying to get like to know people. Uh, we partnered with the mess hall, the dining services, the auxiliary contracts here on campus. Like you just got to have relationships outside of that. And um, that that's that's like, yeah, I'm not trying to go out like that as a part of this industry. I'm trying to change and improve the quality of life and the, and the, the, the percentage on getting to the finish line that I want the finish line to look like. And I always say, like, we get into these careers because we're trying to change, we're trying to improve others' quality of life, but we can't lose our own. Yeah. In that, like, why would I go crush myself from 4.30 a.m. to, to 8 p.m. every single so, day? So about 10 years ago, I was, I, I, I found this story. It's called The Starving Baker, The Story of the Starving Baker. Mm. It's just a little parable, and it's like, it, basically the story goes like this. You know, you move to a town, and there's this, there's this like, famous bakery where the whole town, like, you'd go there and there's a line out the door. You, you, you walk down the street and you're, you're smelling the, the smells from the, the oh, cinnamon bar. Yeah, it just makes yeah, you hungry, right? And, and, and this guy, this, this baker that opened up this shop is the best. And he's got, you know, he's got his clientele, his customers. They're all lined up around. Well, he's, he's got to continue serving those customers, right? He's got to continue making his, 
He's got to continue producing. And you start going there, and you realize, hey, we're three months in, and that guy looks like he lost 15 pounds. And six months down the road, he lost another 10 pounds. He looks tired. A year, two years down the road, this guy is a skeleton. He's a bag of bones, and he's barely surviving because he never took care of himself. And so in the process of trying to serve others, he totally diminished the source that he was providing to others. And if you don't take care of yourself, you become that starving baker. And if what we're here to do is really serve the people that we're saying that we're going to serve, we've got to make sure that we take care of ourselves. Because if we don't, then we're not going to be able to produce and serve and guide and lead the way that, and, and now our product suffers. So that's the ultimate, like, when you're in this industry fitness-wise, whether no matter what lane you're in, it's, man, you really got to know when um, you need to adjust, pivot, adapt, take care of yourself so that you're able to put the product out there that the people are. It's live to work, work to live again. Like, I, I talk to people all the time who, like, it just still blows my mind. They wake up at 3 and they just work. They work and that's it. And not even in a job like this where you're moving around. Like, they sit on their computer and they work till 11. And they do that every day. And I'm like, why do we have jobs? Because society tells us, yeah, we have to. But also it's the way that we make money and we need money in our society. But, like, how are you using that? How are you enjoying your life? Like, what's the point? What's the point of working? What's the point of working, honestly, if you don't enjoy the things that you get from it? And if you if you hate your life every day, that's what I just never get. And I think, you know, 30 years ago it was very much like, nine to five or even more than that you just you're on salary you do what your employer wants you to do you work 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 and like what is life I just don't get it and I I see like parents doing this I see patients just like crushing themselves and for what like is that what life is to you is just to work and especially in the in the fitness realm because we're so you know I'm doing this for you I want to help you and it's not just like, oh, I'm doing your, your taxes and then I turn my computer off at 5 p.m. It's like, no, I have people that are messaging me on True Coach at 11. And you have to set the precedent of I'm going to take care of myself because, one, if you don't, you, ta- you can't take care of other people. But also, it's practicing what you preach. I need you to take care of yourself. And that's what I'm trying to get you to do. But yet, I don't take care of myself while I'm teaching you that. It's just, just irony. Yeah. Thank you so much. This has been incredible. Yeah. yeah. This Thank is definitely you. worth skipping lunch for. Thank you. Okay, I'm going to go eat. This was a uh, pleasure all mine, for sure. So can we see you as the next athletic director? When's that going to happen? That's probably a couple years down the road, but that's okay. the goal. That's the goal. So, I mean, there might, and there's been, you know, opportunities that have come up, and um, I, I take a look at all, like, when a job opportunity comes up, I get contacted. I look at it with an honest eye, and I'm not saying that I'm married to this job, and, that, like, you know, it's that's it. I'm turning my blind eye to everything else but um i think i've got a good awareness of the industry i know what like when you move on from this job and you take the next job and you or you move up and you go to a different level i know what that entails and i would just suggest to everybody that like if 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 you're in the fitness industry understand what that next move is going to mean um when you're the trainer uh you've got a different set of responsibilities, priorities, and needs than you do when you're the gym owner. It's, it's different. You, you're moving up, and the set of skills and competencies that are going to require you to, that are going to be required of you to do that job is different than the level that you're at now. And if you're aware of that and you're honest about that and you know what you want, then you can make a calculated decision. But I've, I've just seen a lot of my colleagues, friends, people that are close to me get blinded by whatever it is, like 
you know, for, for us, it's, well, I can take the job. LSU, they play in front of 100,000 people. That's a bit like that. Well, you don't know the things that come with that job. And if you, if you do know it and you're cool with it, mm-hmm. then fine. You, you are going to make the decision and you're going to make the right decision. But don't make an uneducated, uninformed decision. Uh, be aware. So, um, yeah, I know what I want to do, but, I mean, you never know what happens. There could be a, you know, if, oh, uh, no. if the New England Patriots <laughs> called up, you know. Oh, no, if, I forgot. You're a Patriots fan. If oh, LSU yeah. ever called up and, you know, they wanted to look at me, I would, I would, I would be honest about that and I'd take a good look. But, yeah, would you go? Uh, you know, it really depends, man. Yeah. You know, they're not that, – that, that job is, again, when you get to that level, it's a whole different mm-hmm. animal. And the amount of money that's being made and where those kids are – they're all, you know, potentially going to the NFL. Mm-hmm. They, have the, they have a shot to do that. It's a different it's deal. That's incredibly different. As you move up the, the hierarchy levels, the job changes. Like here, it's awesome because, number one, my job really matters. If I don't get these kids better – in all sports, if they don't reduce injuries, improve performance, we have no shot, let alone how hard it is to recruit here. And, like, if I don't do my job here, we have no shot. So that's awesome. Like, coming to work and really, really mattering. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're, you know, like, you're, like if I'm working with Joe Burrow when, when he's at LSU, I'm, try, I'm trying to improve him, but I'm also trying to make sure I don't get him jacked up. I don't hurt him. He doesn't mm-hmm. have, you know, he's, that talent level is just, it's a different animal. And so, um I think you got to be honest about that when you're in this industry, just knowing like where you're at, what's required, what the next level, what the next move would require, and and you got to be informed. And so, um, yeah, I'm going to work towards that, becoming the AD, and that, that's that's not going to happen tomorrow. That'd be uh, we'll you know, see. Yeah. Maybe by the time I post this. <laughs> no, just kidding. Well, thank you so much, Coach D. This has been awesome. Everyone, thank you for listening. Yeah, thank you, thank you, and thank all the listeners too. That's that's really cool. Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Head on over to Instagram. Find us at Healthy Charleston. Leave us a review on iTunes. If you ever have any topics you want us to talk about or guests you want to bring on, feel free to DM us. Otherwise, thanks again.